Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Once you can take it from an apartment complex to an apartment community where people, people feel like they're part of the community is when you've, you've done your job. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and uh, if you haven't listened to the show before, or if you have, quick reminder, this is all about getting to the best real estate investing advice, cutting out all the fluffy stuff, and uh, getting to some good insights from a best ever guest to help you move your real estate business forward. With us today, uh, we have got a very accomplished uh, best ever guest, uh, Mr. Don Bruner. How you doing, Don? Hey, good afternoon, Joe. Glad to talk to you. Yeah, well, nice to have you on the show. Don is the regional vice president of the National Apartment Association. Uh, he's based in Cincinnati, Ohio, 
where his uh, full-time job is the chief operating officer at BRG Apartments. Uh, Previously, he's been a district manager overseeing 14,000 units between apartments and condos. He started his own management company in 2012 and grew it to oversee 24 properties totaling uh, 2,900 units. Tremendous amount of experience in the industry. And a non-real estate related fact uh, is that he's the president of a charity called Miami Valley Sports Foundation, which uh, provides athletic and education opportunities to kids 8 to 18. So you are a busy, busy man, aren't you, Don? <laughs> Some days uh, there's just not enough hours in the day. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you took some time to speak with us and uh, have a conversation on the show. So with that being said, do you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Uh, today we're focused, um, you know, in the background of, you know, I've started in the industry, um, uh, started on site, started managing multiple locations, um, then moved into a regional type position, managed a, a bunch of units, uh, both in the condominium homeowner association world and in apartments. Then started, a, went on to start a third party management company um, for through Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, um, which uh, afforded me an opportunity to meet a, great, a lot of great people, uh, people like yourself and others that uh, trying to invest and then to be able to partner with them and help them find deals. I took another turn and I sold that part of the business off and then uh, started to work with BRG out of Cincinnati where I continue to still use uh, the same contacts and have grown, try to find people um, assets uh, to buy and, and we manage or our company will buy and, and of course manage as well. So uh, currently we have um, 39 properties that we own today. We have uh, one more we're closing on next week so we'll get to 40 and it'll be just over 7,000 units. So I guess that's a kind of short blip. Plus, uh, being in the apartment industry nationally, uh, my position is the National National Apartment Association on the Board of Directors. I have what's uh, called Region 3, which is Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, and Wisconsin. So we represent those states uh, on the Board of Directors. Uh, We meet um, five times a year. And it's uh, gave me a great opportunity to learn learn about the business from, from other key people and players around the country, plus uh, uh, wealth of contacts on the vendor side, which helped grow the business as well, and through technology and and cost cutting measures, things like that. So let's let's talk about some of that. Um, and for, first, I want to talk about your experience. Uh, you said you started on site. Uh, with uh, management, and then you know, your your role and your positions and responsibilities grew from there. Um, so you started on site at uh, an actual property, and now you know, you're the chief operating officer of of a large apartment um, community group. What skills did you learn on site that you're applying today in your more executive role? That's a good question. Um... I guess it's still understanding the customer, understanding our resident, um, how we how we obtain a, a resident, how we maintain a resident. Um, we all know it's uh, once we have one, it's easy to retain them. So uh, on site, that's that's the the goal. Obviously, is to lease as many apartments as we can and maintain the residents that we have, and do it within a budget. Um, 
and now it's just you know exponentially um, grown from that. Um, but the basic focus is still uh, obtaining and retaining our residents. So that started at the site level, um, and it, it just continues on today, just to have a little different scope and, and different people that uh, we I work with that maintain those things. But we're you know working with our marketing team as far as that's the best way to obtain a resident. Um, working, you know, with, with the rest of the operation team on how to retain them through maintenance and efficiencies and, and ways of cost cutting on on um, uh, maintenance expenses and supplies. So those two factors really um, start at the property level and just continue no matter how many units you have. Let's let's dive into the obtaining and retaining residents. Um, I think that's that's perfect to, for to have a conversation with you about. So. Um, with the let's let, we'll dive into the obtaining first. With the obtaining residents, what are the most effective things that you've seen um, over the years that work, regardless of you know the uh, uh, what year it was? It's just these are tried and true methods, and uh, you know whenever you first take over an apartment community, these are the things that you're going to do. Well, the first is to make, you know, the term, it used to be a term, it used to be, somebody would say it was an apartment complex. Once you can take it from an apartment complex to an apartment community where people people feel like they're part of the community is when you've, you've done your job. So you want them to feel like it's a community. You want to make it feel like they're home. So we try to always reference home um, as, as being that. We want to talk to you about your apartment home. How's, how's things in your apartment home today? You want people to feel like it's their home instead of just an apartment. Um, so, you know, when we attain people, you know, we work. There's a number of the, the paid advertising sources, um, of course, uh, that you can use. Apartment Guide, uh, Apartments.com, rent, Rental, um, Rent.com, There's a bunch of sites to do things, and, and depending on your city, you're gonna, um, you may choose one of those paid advertising uh, advertising sources. Um, and they work and they're effective, but you want to make sure that your your staff, whether it's uh, yourself or or your on-site staff, is is entering all the traffic um, so that you can do the follow-ups and appropriate follow-ups and know where your business and, and or leads are coming from. Um, secondly, today, um, you know, there's uh, Craigslist offers uh, a free service, so I would definitely recommend posting your ads on Craigslist each day. Um, you know, kind of a lost art is is outreach, um, finding your um, the local businesses in your area where your people are are uh, living at. So I call it harvesting the leads. So if you take your applications that you've gotten or people that are living there, try to find a common denominator within companies that they're working or employed by, and contact those HR departments and pass out information, brochures, flyers, whatever you may have in regards to your community. Um, that reference employee, um, I'm sorry, uh, resident referrals is the, is the greatest form of advertising. So someone that's living on site recommending your property. So once you start turning and start getting um, resident referrals um, is when you know you've done a good job and people are going to stay. So we usually offer some kind of a referral, resident referral incentive somewhere between, depending on the cost of the unit, 100 up to $500, depending on the cost of the unit. Um, or it might be on a tiered system where, based on the number of referrals they got, it started 100 and then 200 and then 500 on a third. Because um, it's all about looking about the cost of attaining a resident. So 
when you get one that's a re- from a resident referral, it's typically, um, you know, especially um, someone that's paying their bill on time and, you know, takes care of the community and, and it feels like they're part of it when they can refer their friends and family. It's, they're just another good resident to have. So um, I guess those would be some of the keys to start with. With the resident referral, you said you offer you you could offer an incentive one to five hundred, perhaps depending on the cost of the unit. How do you let let's say the cost of the unit's seven hundred bucks? How do you what math do you use to determine what the uh, referral incentive is? Depends on it. Really depends. I would think in that neighborhood you're you're close to half, so maybe two fifty three hundred dollars uh, on on a unit that's seven hundred fifty dollars. Um, other ways to do it is on a tier system where you give somebody and you have a contest and where they get $100 for the first one and then maybe 250 for the second and then maybe it was up to four or $500 for the third um, because that's then reducing what you're paying in some of your paid advertising cost. Um, so I think that's a you know that's an approach, but others will just some companies will just use a flat you know dollar figure which is between 100 and 300 dollars for a, a typical. Um, resident referral. And do you on the tiered system? Do you have a time frame that you give them? Usually in a year. One year. Okay. The other thing to do is along with that, if if you're able to host resident events, are key for especially in the retention side. But they also can be used in obtaining new business too. So when you're having somebody come in and, and fill an application or tour your property, if you're going to have a resident function, uh, you always want to make sure you invite your prospects to your resident function. Uh, that way it gives them a chance to see see what you do for your existing residents and also gives them a chance to talk to the people that already live there. Um, it's just an additional way to obtain a, a prospect. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I never never thought of that one, um, as well as many others that you've mentioned. Um, let, let's talk about retaining. Uh, I think the the resident event is a good segue into that. So, what are uh, some of the ways that you've seen to uh, be effective in retaining residents? Well, I think that the you know the residents are great. I think the first and foremost is maintenance. You know, if you've got a property with a great maintenance team, you're typically your turnover rate is going to be less. So being able to focus on trying to make sure your work orders are accomplished, um, hopefully within a 24-hour period, uh, is going to drastically reduce your your maintenance, your turnover. Um, that really kind of starts out at the move-in. Um, if if at the move-in, you can take your unit and make it as pristine as possible, no matter what the age is, um, to be something that you would move into. Um, it, with everything functional and reduce that initial burden from somebody. I mean, you got to think about somebody's uprooting their life, uprooting their family, moving into your you, into your unit. So it's already traumatic. And if they come in and they have issues with that unit day one, whether it be the keys missing or mailbox key missing or a leak or um, you know carpet not down everywhere or a hole in the wall or whatever the issue may be. That's going to set off a chain of events over the next 12 months that's typically going to result in you losing that resident. So the initial move-in is key for retention in my mind. And then once you've got that initial move-in complete, and then the rest of the year, you typically have less uh, issues or recurrences of work orders from that prospect. 
but if they do have one, it's the quicker that you can get that unit fixed or have that um, item or, or issue resolved from a maintenance standpoint uh, is going to make them retain as well. So the, the uh, dovetail into the, the um, resident events is just another part of that. When they start showing up, it really is, is a matter of the, the team that you have in place. So um, if your manager is, or on-site person is engaged and acts like they want to be there at those events, the residents are going to come. And the more they come and feel part of the community, they're going to stay. So those are just a couple things that, that really means means something. Um, another item on that maintenance that, that we found to be beneficial is if you have interaction with a, with a resident, whether it be from package pickup or if they're dropping off rent or any type of interaction, if you encourage them to tell you about an issue, uh, hey, how's everything in your apartment today? Or uh, is there any issues that needs to be addressed today in your unit? One, they'll be a surprise that you're asking for that. And two, if there is, you're going to get it resolved. It could be that they just forgot. could be that their faucet's dripping, especially if you're paying for water. You want to know about that. Uh, it's just a good way to, to help that communication and open those lines up with those uh, existing residents. You, um, you mentioned also earlier efficiencies on retention. Yeah, efficiencies, you know, it's a matter of, um, you know, they're going to have some areas that are a little more tr- transient, uh, whether it because of jobs or um, you've got um, people that are coming in in training roles and such, you'll have some. But if you can, you know, work on that efficiency and change, you know, years ago that, you know, it used to be 60, 65% um, renewal rate was, was pretty common. Um, things have changed a little bit over time. Um, but if you can still shoot for somewhere in that 50, 55% range, um, it's really going to make a difference on your bottom line. And um, with with regards to maintenance, you mentioned that you know, 24 hour period is ideally whenever you get it addressed. How do you staff right. properties from a maintenance standpoint? How how many people and what are their roles? How do how do you typically do that? Industry standards are are pretty much um, one person on each side of the business, meaning maintenance and office, for every hundred units. So 100-unit property, you're typically going to have it for one tech and, and one office person. So this, And then, I mean, so we pretty much follow that rule going forward. Um, you know, you staff it potentially with a part-time person in between, or if you have, um, you know, have properties that are close in proximity, you can share staff. Uh, but as a general rule, that's, that's kind of what we follow. And uh, does so for a hundred unit property, does the maintenance person do everything from picking up the trash to uh, doing the unit turns to doing the maintenance? Um, or do you have other team members who help out? So, on, on a typical property, and some of it will turn based on um, the occupancy level, but if, if you know, it's today's, you know, um, today's world, our bar occupancies are pretty high. So uh, on a hundred unit property today, we're going to probably be, you know, our company average right now is, is we're occupied at 98%. So in that case, we'd have two vacant units. Um, so the, the tech would do usually start their morning out with a grounds inspection or ground walk, picking up any trash. Cause we feel, you know, curb appeal is one of the most important things in that first impression. So uh, we have them starting out on the, on the grounds first, 
Um, then we follow, you know, we follow through. I guess the first thing would be any after-hour emergencies or any after-hour calls that came in. Then the grounds walk. Um, we know whether or not when the turns are due. Um, the sooner you can get a, a turnover done and get it market ready, um, the sooner you can get somebody living in there. Today we have a lot of people. We live in kind of a microwave society today, so people want to come in. It used to be they come in and they look for a unit, and they move in 30 days, move in 45 days. We got, you know, today it's a lot of people just move in the next day or even the same same day, depending on where they are and what they're doing. So it's important to get that unit turned. Um, so we get the unit turned and uh, general work orders, and then we always have some kind of a project board as well, whether it be if, uh, if pressure washing hallways or cleaning hallways or gutters or something. So we have a, a kind of a list of projects that are just ongoing, touch-up paint on railings, um, you know, checking screens, things like that. So we have then a follow-up. But on a 100-unit property, they would do, in most cases, um, the unit turns as far as the maintenance part of it may or may not do uh, the clean or the painting depending on time. We typically outsource uh, the carpet cleaning, um, but they will do you know the general general turns, grounds, maintenance, and if there's a pool, they'll also do the the pool checking of chemicals and cleaning and such. Do you outsource? You said you typically outsource the carpet cleaning. Do you also outsource? typically the actual cleaning and painting? We do based on on time availability. Um, the, you know, I look at things from the standpoint of, of what's the most economic use of a time for our, t- our technician. Um, the cost of a, a carpet clean is, is pretty inexpensive. Um, you know, we, we had some um, pricing at a, a local trade show here that we just had that, that um, you know, I can't even understand how they're going to make money at it, and they've done a good job. So, so we typically will outsource those items. And how much does that cost? Um, you know, the pricing that I was speaking of, we just got was thirty six dollars for a studio apartment, thirty nine dollars for a one bedroom, and forty five for a two bedroom. So, those kind of pricings for a carpet clean, especially from a good sized company, to me are pretty inexpensive for them to come in with that equipment. That's that person that's on, you know, whether we do one or five units and um, come in to make that happen and be done with it. It's just easier to schedule around based on their time. Because as a technician, you some, you just don't know whether it's going to be a, a water issue or it's going to be some kind of a leak or some kind of an issue that would require them to, to not have the time. So um, we typically schedule the the painting uh, the cleaning and the carpet cleaning with with uh, subcontractors, unless their time permits for us using this, doing those. When you look at an apartment building and you uh, are seeing it for the first time, uh, say you've got a property that you're looking to acquire, um, and you go to the, you're in your car, you drive on the on the site. What are the things that you're looking for? Can you can you talk us through like? Um, uh, and it, what what it would be like if we were in the passenger seat as you're driving through the property and what you're thinking, what you're looking at. Sure, yeah, I've been doing it quite a bit. Last last week, on I looked at nine properties in three cities. So, uh, for for acquisition or uh, for our acquisition or for third party management. So, uh, if we are just driving through, uh, it, you know, we try to do it, you know, from curb appeal. 
you know, we want to know what it's going to look like for a prospect coming in. So from the entryway to, you know, the, to the asphalt, to the, you know, are the, the grounds picked up, or the grounds trimmed, the bushes trimmed, um, you know, the cigarette butts everywhere, uh, trash, you know, trash everywhere. Uh, is the painting kept up? You know, are, are there you know are there screens in the windows? Um, those all might sound like basic items, but depending on the property you're looking at, that may or may not be. Um, and then how easily um, those items are to be changed. So, uh, is the uh, are the are the issues on the asphalt? Are they are they patches or is it a tear out? Um, is it uh, are the grounds completely overgrown or are they uh, dead ash trees that we have to have cut down or are they bushes that could just be trimmed? Um, could we add flowers or, or um, knockout roses or something to add color but yet um, not be too expensive? Um, you know, is the paint, you know, are we talking about painting some trim? Is it a mostly brick building? And can we maybe add shutters or paint the shutters to improve the appearance? So curb appeal is one of the first things we address and look at, um, you know, kind of driving through and then kind of take the path around the property that, that a prospect or resident might be in just to get an understanding to assess those things. And then the neighborhood. Um, what's the neighborhood like? Is is it walkable? Are there is there restaurants or gas station or, or um, convenience stores or anything close that business that they could walk to? Are they close to a place of employment that we could, you know, source as a, as a prospect? Um, what's the competition like? What's the next closest property? Um, drive that to to do the same comparison. That way, you can check and do a nice rent comp to see if if that property is in comparison to the property you're you're looking at to see um, see what it is. So, we usually try to have that information on the the comps and that when when we're driving through to compare. I guess that'd be a good the first part. We'd start out so before we got into actual. Yeah, unit. when when you're still driving on the outside, do you look at AC roofs, uh, or is it really kind of the, the the first layer of that you look at as the curb appeal and how easily those things can be changed? Yeah, those those uh, it's really it is kind of a two tier, and, and so the second tier is once the kind of the initial interest is there and the pricing is right, then it's a matter of going through the capex type items. You know, or is it a boiler program? Is it boiler heat with window air conditioning? Is it uh, uh, the AC's old? Uh, is it a mansard roof? Is it a flat roof? Is it a pitch roof? What's the shingles like? Are they um, are they the the old three tap or, or are they dimensional shingles? So you can tell a little bit based on the age right away with that. Uh, what's the condition? Gutters overflowing or are trees and you know branches growing out of the gutters? Um, you know, what's the fascia board like? All those capital type stuff are, are kind of the second tier. If you've gotten through the first tier, you kind of look at the second tier to see what that what that's like. Don, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Uh, don't overpay. It's better that the best deals sometimes you make are the ones you, or the best deals are the ones you don't make. Take your time. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. First, a quick word from our best ever partners crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. 
Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. All right, Don, best ever book you've read? Uh, who Moved My Cheese? Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? I think... Um, listen to one of the Disney executives talk about how um, that when someone asks you a question uh, 10 different times from 10 different 10 different people ask you the same question they weren't there when that first question was answered so make sure you listen and, and treat each person as if it's their own question and not that you heard it 10 times oh, interesting have you heard many of my questions before <laughs> I have not <laughs> I didn't know if that was a subtle hint <laughs> Best ever deal you've done? Um, 147-unit property in Toledo, Ohio, 50% occupied. Um, when you walked in, the the manager was in blue jeans and t-shirt, no internet service, um, doing a crossword puzzle. <laughs> Paid uh, 13000 um, $13, a door. It's worth probably fifty now. And distributed um, a bunch of bunch of cash in between so Toledo Ohio sometimes sleepy cities are where to look I've gone go-kart racing there before on the way up to Flint Michigan there you go best ever way you like to give back just as much of charity as we can do Um, we had a big we had an event yesterday with part of um, from a benefit that I got from the National Apartment Association actually when I had our education conference in June uh, I did an event with court furniture and we were able to get a donation from them in our name and and uh, we were at the boys and girls club of cincinnati yesterday donated the check and as much charity uh, that you can do um, especially with kids is, is always important to me what's the biggest mistake you've ever made in real estate uh being anxious on turning a unit uh i saw a high rise in a town that i thought that uh so all these deals going and turning and and uh it was on the edge of of uh an area that was potentially going to turn and uh, made advice to a person to make a purchase and I shouldn't have. What's the... It did not turn. No. <laughs> it, it's unfortunate for everybody involved. What What was the... What was the... Let me ask a follow-up question. What was the... Um, what indicator did you think or were you, were you looking at that didn't represent what actually happened? Uh, indicator was uh, rents were significantly higher occupants were significantly higher um we thought the growth would continue and kind of envelop that area um and kind of the growth turned in the city um turned to the city in the east instead of to the north so i kind of missed the curve i thought we were going to be ahead of the game and have a home run for our investor and it uh, unfortunately did not I was a little too quick to snap judgment, seeing an opportunity instead of, as I gave advice earlier, take your time. And I was a little too, I was a little too quick on that one. And what's the best ever place to reach you? Always on email. D Bruner, B R U N N E R, at B R G Apartments. Don, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice and your insight. Um, with the best ever listeners and talking about obtaining and retaining the residents. Uh, some of the key points that I wrote down, I've got a 
a book full of notes, but uh, some of them make an, make an apartment community. Uh, people feel that it's a part of a community, and then you've done the majority of your job um, on obtaining and retaining. But with obtaining in particular, reference home as much as possible during the advertising uh, Craigslist, paid advertising sources. As you said, the lost art is to outreach to local business, take apps to local businesses and speak to people who um, are already have employees who live at your community. Uh, resident referrals, you mentioned doing a tiered system um, within a time frame of about a year, usually where you pay them a little bit more every time and then having a resident event. Uh, with that resident event, you invite prospects uh, to that event so that they can kind of see how you treat your residents. And then the segue into that is retaining. And the number one way to retain residents is maintenance and having it addressed within 24 hours. Um, and then there are also some uh, efficiencies uh, that, that you mentioned um, as well. And um, having having an event and some other some other community building aspects. Um, but really it's, it's maintenance and ha- giving them, and it starts as you put a lot of focus on it, with the move-in. Uh, and making that as nice as possible with the move-in. Uh, and then talking about what you see on the curb appeal or what you see at a property when you first look at it. You look for the curb appeal, which is the first tier, um, and then you kind of pretend that you're the resident and a potential prospect and, what, and how easily is it to be changed uh, for the things that you want to change. And then you've got that second tier. So thank you so much for being on the show. And is there anything else you want to mention before we sign off? Uh, thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. And good luck to everybody. Happy investing. Thanks a lot, Don. All right.